Hi everyone and welcome to today's episode of the Impactful Authenticity Podcast. My name is Lucy and today based on feedback from you lovely listeners, I'm actually going to do a solo show. And what will this look like? Well, I'll share some reflections and some stories of my own authenticity journey with you and hopefully give you a couple of tips and suggestions that you may want to try and give a go. And depending on how it goes and what your feedback is, um, I might throw in a couple of these solo shows every kind of five to six weeks. Um, So please do share feedback and let me know so that I can um, make sure that I tailor content that works, works for you. So maybe just to start with, you know, I created this podcast because after over 40 years of life, I recognized that there seems to be often a cycle that happens for me around authenticity. There's times when I'm embarking on something new, such as a new job, starting school, university, moving to a new place, becoming a parent, becoming a mother. And at these times, often they're the points where I felt that I've personally had to maybe sometimes hide a little bit more about who I am and what I'm about. And over time, as I grow more confident and comfortable in myself, you know, I open up some more and 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 sort of show that that true me. And I've really been trying to find ways myself to try and help stop these kind of cycles or how to make them a little bit shorter lived. And I really hope that through both my experiences and the others that you'll hear about on the podcast, that we may share a couple of nuggets and a bit of inspiration, hopefully with a few laughs as well, um, and a realization that we're all in this together and we're not alone. So I thought I'd start off just with like, what do we mean by authenticity? Or maybe more, what do I mean by authenticity? And um, I love this definition of authenticity is the quality of being genuine or real. Now, depending on how you interpret that, you might feel excited or scared or disillusioned or optimistic. And the good news is that however you feel on hearing that, before thinking about it too much, that's you being authentic. Awesome. I've also heard though that people sometimes say that being authentic means you become quite selfish. You say everything that you think and feel, you only want to do what you want to do. And maybe for some people that is how their authenticity shows up. For me, I like to use this phrase of authenticity in context. And you may have heard me mention that a couple of times within the podcast. But however you think about your own authenticity, there's one thing I absolutely can guarantee and that it's not just one thing. It's like a range of things that give you purpose, that make you happy, that fill you with energy and joy. And if you list those out, it's very likely that there's a number of times when those things are in conflict and you're having to kind of grapple with this, what is what is the real authentic thing to do for me in this specific situation? 
So that's why I like to kind of think about this idea of sort of authenticity and context, because sometimes we slightly change how we approach things or how we turn up to things just because of the context that we're kind of stood in. And that doesn't necessarily mean that we're showing up uh, not truthfully as ourselves. And I thought I'd share just like a fun little story that I think hopefully many people can kind of relate to on this. And it actually only happened again this week. And it was that situation where you sit down in a restaurant, you're just about to kind of order food and the the waiter or waitress comes up and says, would you like to try the wine? Now, that seems like a really straightforward question. Would I like to try the wine? Okay, sure. But I've recently decided that from now on, I'm just going to say no to this question. And this is because it gives me this authenticity dilemma. Now, why does it do that? Now, in the past, I've always said yes, let me try it. But it often puts me in this weird quandary. I taste the wine. Maybe I don't particularly like it. Well, what do you do? The truthful thing is to say, I don't like the wine, take it back. But at the same time, it was actually my fault that I made the poor wine selection. It's not something wrong with the bottle. It's not that it's been corked or how they've opened it. It's not quite right. So it's actually my fault. So I'm not going to send it back. And now I've said yes. Okay, they're going to pour me more wine. I know I'm not going to be excited to drink the wine. Obviously, I will drink it, but that's not really what I want to do. I'd much prefer to have a different bottle. But this is where I'm talking about this context piece that I want to say, take the bottle back, get me a new one. But I recognize it's my mistake. It's not something with the actual bottle of wine itself. And so uh, I don't say no. I say yes. It's fine. Give me the wine. So I've decided that I giggle and laugh about this in my own mind all the time, every time it happens. So just to avoid this whole discussion, I've just decided now that I'm not going to say, yes, I'd like to taste the wine. I'm just going to say, pour it. And in a work context, there are also many of these kind of types of conflicts that can kind of happen. And one of them that probably many of you may have experienced is this area around giving feedback. And we spoke a little bit about this on the podcast in episode two with Davey. And you may want to be truthful. And at the same time, you might not want to intentionally hurt others. That might be kind of some of your values that you believe go to your authenticity. So you can go around in circles about, do I give the feedback? Is it the right time? Is it only me thinking this? Perhaps I'm biased based on my interactions with this person. There's probably a whole heap of different things that might be rolling around your brain at that time. And it was really interesting to hear Davy talking about how that feedback culture is actually one of her values. So she's found a way to not have this dilemma. And in the scenario I described above, again, to me, it's about the context and the way you frame this in your mind. If you think about feedback and that this is something which may upset or hurt the other person, then you're bound to be a little bit more resistant for a longer time to build up the confidence to do it. It doesn't quite fit with what you believe are the values that you want to live by. But if you reframe this into more of a positive way in terms of, you know, you're really wanting to support and help a colleague to grow and to to develop 
and to be their best. And if it's given with the positivity when you go into the conversation, I promise it will feel different and you won't feel this conflict in the same way, particularly around some of these things to do with your authenticity values. Maybe let's go back to this term of authenticity. And frequently, it's very much described in this binary way. You are authentic, you're not authentic. But for me, I don't really see it in that black and white situation. I see it much more in a scale of kind of how you show up in life. And you could think of it on a scale of 0 to 10 or 0 to 100 or whatever kind of scale that you like to work on. And, you know, some days we can be feeling like we're really authentic all the time, all the decisions we're making, how we're showing up, what's happening, you know, it's there. And at other times, while we're not even realizing it, we're further down the scale. But that's okay. It isn't a competition with anyone. It's mainly just a way of us being, and we shouldn't necessarily feel bad about that. And so, I like to think about it in this way of authenticity practice. And with almost everything in life, we get good at something through practicing. And that's why I decided to put the challenge of the week in the podcast so that it gives us all a small step or a little nudge that that week we could think about that might help us to connect a little more with practicing our authenticity. And I expect many of us have actually grown up with messages from family and friends and colleagues, you know, don't stand out, don't follow the crowd, be yourself, follow the crowd. It's really confusing of like what to do, where to think, what is it I want to do? Do I want to do that? Do I not? What actually is it that's kind of driving me and moving us forward? And Hopefully many of you have seen that wonderful video on YouTube, or maybe this is a thing that just used to constantly be played at Roche, with this guy at a festival. And the music's playing and everyone's kind of just sat on this field. And one person just gets up and starts dancing in this really crazy, fun, free way on his own in a field to the music. And they're there dancing on their own for like a what feels like a long time, but probably isn't that long in the grand scheme of things. And then slowly someone else joins them and it kind of grows and grows and builds. And eventually there's a whole crowd around that person just having a really, really fabulous time. Um, And I love this idea because it's back to, you know, that person just really felt that need to dance, to connect, to engage with the music and just be who they were. And they didn't care that anyone else was there with them or not. They were just going to go and do it. And by doing that, others who were probably sat there on their hands thinking, I really want to get up and dance. I absolutely love this song. Had then the kind of power and the feeling then of being able to do that because they were able to to follow and feel that they weren't alone. And you may have read on the impactfulauthenticity.me website, which is associated with this podcast, a little bit about me and the fact that I spent a huge amount of time, particularly probably I would say in my 20s and early 30s, 
really feeling like I was that solo dancer. I was chasing and doing things that I loved alone just because others didn't want to, didn't like the same kind of music or hobbies or other things that I did. And so I've traveled, I've been to many, many, many concerts, rock clubs, out for dinner, all on my own, um, just because I really, really wanted to do that and I didn't want to feel held back by it. Um, And I'm not sure what drove me to do that. I was kind of contemplating this the other day of like, what made me want to just go out and do stuff alone? And I'm sure it stems back somewhere to being independent and happy to be alone and in my own company as a child. Um, And if you're wondering, I'm not an only child. I think that's usually what the first thing people ask me. Um, I'm actually not. I'm the eldest of four. So I didn't spend a lot of time as a child on my own, in my own company, um, as much as my mum often tells me that I wanted to be an only child. But I digress. But what I do know is that, you know, for some people going out and doing stuff alone is a really, really scary thing and something that wouldn't bring them joy. And so I'm certainly not going to preach to go out and do stuff alone. But what I do just want to kind of get across is that, you know, there are things in life that are going to make you really happy. Um, And by doing them and not worrying what others may think of you will hopefully very quickly put a big smile on your face, give you that kind of warm glow in your heart and make you feel really happy about that. And I really hope that, you know, through the podcast, through interactions with others that you may um, come across, help to give you that little nugget of confidence that may enable you to kind of go and do something that maybe you didn't think that you could do before, but I'd always really wanted to do. And I now just want to share maybe a couple of thoughts for those of you maybe who do want to get a little bit more authenticity practice into your lives. And I thought I'd share this through a couple of different tips that I've personally found kind of helpful to myself. And the good news is there's only four, three pretty simple, one that takes a little bit more time. Um, and the first one is go out and get a journal, a diary, a reflection book, something like that. And to be honest, even if you're not looking to make an authenticity practice part of your daily life, I would still highly recommend this one. Um, I've sometimes gone days or weeks where I don't do this. And I notice such a difference in how I get through the day. You don't need to spend a lot of time. If you don't spend time though, with yourself, with your thoughts and thinking what you specifically want for yourself, you're always going to be running to someone else's agenda. And that is never a good thing. So definitely go out, find a notebook, invest um, invest in that. It's not going to cost very much and you can do it digitally if you don't like pen and paper like myself. The second one is to start the day with a couple of intentions. Now, this is a super fast thing and the best thing about it is there is a cheat option. So if you have the same one for a week or two, 
saves you a bit of time having to think about it. And you can just adapt as you need to. So that way, when you wake up, you really have a couple of areas that at least at the start of the day, you know you're going to try and get done or think about. The third tip I would give is have an end of work reflection time. This is a lovely time to grab that journal that you've bought, hopefully from tip one. And before you leave the office, and that's kind of the important piece, just spend a couple of minutes writing down one or two things that you should consider to approach a little bit differently if you were faced with that same thing again. Now, if you have time, then actually spending some time to think about what would be some alternative ways that you would do that um, would be brilliant. But just acknowledging it is a super great step. So double thumbs up if you can do that. Also, though, as you think about those one or two things that you might consider doing a little bit differently, think about two things that you felt really proud of that day. Two things that you felt like, I really nailed that. And I recommend that you do this at the end of the workday, particularly because it's a great way then to clear your head of anything that you might be carrying over into the rest of your day once you've finished work. And just by having that time really will, I promise you, make a difference. The fourth tip is the one that's going to take a little bit more time if you decide to take it on. And that's about defining the core values. Now, I add this at the end because this is something, as I say, that takes the time. It does take a little bit of headspace. But the good news is it's also it's not fixed. It's not carved in stone. So you can start and stop. You can add and change as your kind of energy and interest to do it um, goes in peaks and troughs. And the great thing, if you do spend the time to define some of your core values, it can just be so, so helpful in helping to guide you with opportunities and decisions for many, many different things in life. An example of that is if you have a value of um, spending time with family, but you're working a 60-hour week, something's probably not feeling quite right. And awareness is the first step to being able to make a proactive choice about what you want to do. So just seeing that and being aware allows you then to figure out, is that something I'm happy and comfortable with? And there may be good reasons why that's the case. But it also may open up some other thoughts and options for you to consider. So if you're looking to go and define your core values. There are a number of different tools if you go online to have um, to support you through thinking that. Um, my suggestion though would be that on some of them, they give you like a pre-specified list of values and you highlight the ones that resonate with you. Um, I don't particularly like that way of doing it. I don't think it, it can kind of sway you in a slightly different direction. What I personally would recommend that you do is actually think of that list for yourself. And some starter questions that could get you going are, what does your purpose in life tell you about the values that you live by? Another question could be, what is happening at the times when you feel the happiest? What makes you feel proud? And 
what do you need around you that helps to make your life feel fulfilled? Now, as I say, these could be some starter questions to get you going. You might have some other questions that you can think of that would help you also connect and think about what the values are that you're already living your life by. That's the great thing. Hopefully, um, the things that should come to mind, um, whether you are doing those actively or not. And I raised this thing about the, the core values because I personally have found this really, really helpful. And if I go back to that kind of situation right at the top where I was talking about thinking about kind of these different sort of cycles and different points in, in life where you're kind of making almost like a transition and, and that's the time where often you can sort of start going back into a little bit of a shell of maybe yourself. Um, having these in your mind can be really, really, really helpful. It certainly helped me when I've been looking for new jobs, um, thinking about making some fairly big decisions in life. Um, and it's also been something which I've used when I've actually been applying for jobs and during sort of the interview process or, or during kind of a negotiation process, um, to be able to kind of share what some of those values and what some of those boundaries might be that are important to me. Um, and a couple of those I'll just kind of share um, now. And one of them, for example, is like, I don't work on weekends. I used to work for a previous team where there definitely was a culture that, you know, it was known that if you worked in that team, it was pretty intense. And most of them kind of checked emails and did bits and pieces over the weekend that is not how I work at all. <laughs> you don't get the best productivity out of me. And I certainly um, don't enjoy spending every second of my day um, answering emails. So I was very, very clear when I got um, offered that role that that is something that I, I wouldn't be willing to do. And if they offered me the job, they'd need to kind of consider that. The other thing I'll throw around, which if anybody knows me, pretty well now um, or seeing my LinkedIn picture at the moment, um, I sometimes like to have pink hair. Now, this isn't a value for me. My value isn't that I need to have pink hair, but it's something which really makes me happy. And I definitely feel a difference in kind of how I show up by it. But I also find this one a really interesting one to pose to someone and, and be open and upfront about it, particularly obviously if I've interviewed without pink hair, because I get an insight into who I'm working with, some of their values and their ways of working by asking them what their perception is of that. And I expect that people that I work for should trust that I know like when pink hair is going to have an impact on my job and how I show up or not. And that they can trust that I will be appropriate in the decisions I make about whether I've got brown hair or pink hair or any other color hair to be fair. So I don't ask this because it's like a value, but I feel like it helps show some other values that are important to me in terms of the people that I work with and, and how they think about things. So there's just a couple of things that I thought I would share in case that's helpful for you as you kind of think about your authenticity practice. 
So just to have a quick recap about what I've spoken about in this episode. So firstly, this idea that authenticity is not binary, um, that we are kind of all working on a scale and that on different days we'll be at slightly different places and that's completely fine. To understand the context for you and to recognise that there could be conflicts and it's up to you in that moment to kind of make the decision of of, of what is going to kind of balance over in terms of, of where you feel that you are being kind of the most authentic um, and then not to kind of battle too much with yourself about the decision that you made. Also, if your aim is to try and be more authentic, then try to find a way to build more of a practice around that. And I shared a couple of tips from my own experience that I found worked, which were one, get a journal, two, start the day with a couple of intentions, three, end the workday with some reflections, and four, define your core values. And then I finally just spoke a little bit about how using those core values can help you with making um, decisions in life. So as always, we end the podcast with a couple of things. The first is my challenge of the week. And my challenge this week is for you to maybe try one of those four tips. Now, if you're already an expert in those areas, then perhaps you can go and do a challenge from a previous week that you haven't done yet or go and do one of the challenges that you love to do before and give it a go again. I don't think any of those challenges that have been raised are ones that can only be a one shot. So enjoy doing those challenges. I'm not going to give you the music selection because um, if I do more of these, you'll soon get fed up of my music taking over the airways. So I will save that for another time. But all that's left for me to say, everyone, is is thank you so much for listening. Again, please let me know if you liked the idea of having a solo show or whether you prefer me just to stick to guests. I won't be offended in either way. Thank you um, for that feedback. So have a great week, everyone. Don't forget to hit subscribe or follow if you enjoyed the content. And I look forward to sharing more stories with a guest next week. And remember, authenticity is a continual journey. Small steps can make a big impact. Take care.